This message was presented at the GYC 2011 conference. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. Hey, why don't we go ahead and get started? A number of you are asking some really good questions. Um, make sure to ask them at the very end of our session here. So, um, so that everyone can, can, can benefit from those questions. You know, it, it, when you're told you can only do so many talks, it's actually frustrating because you cannot, you cannot exhaust the subject. There is so much to it. And your questions that are asking me are, are revealing that fact. Um, there are a number of books out there that have been very helpful to me on prayer. And one of them uh, that really got me started is by a woman named Carol Shoemake. Have you ever heard of her? Anybody here? Practical Pointers to Personal Prayer. That was such a blessing to me, and, and it really got me started. If you really, in fact, let me throw that out to you. In fact, I might have one here. No, I, do I have it? I don't have that one. But Practical Pointers to Personal Prayer. If you really want to learn how to develop a devotional life, get started. She's very practical, and it's a beautiful, beautiful talk. She is uh, the wife of a Seventh-day Adventist pastor. Very helpful. One thing I do want to may, uh, warn you about, there's a lot of spiritualism that is uh, hitting us hard out there. There is a, a new form of uh, Christianity that is sweeping away the Christian world, and it's a combination of Eastern mysticism uh, with, 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 with Christianity. But I want to encourage you, there's a book out there called The Omega Rebellion by uh, Rick Howard. I encourage you to take a look at that. Uh, you know, if you stick with your Bible, you're going you're gonna to bypass this stuff. Uh, when, you, when, you, when somebody's asking you to repeat the same phrase over and over again, uh, where is that found in the Bible? It is found in the Bible. Jesus calls it vain repetition like the Gentiles do. That's, that's where it's found. And it's not what we need to be involved in. Uh, biblical meditation is not emptying your head. It's filling it with the Word. And it's thinking about it. Right? And by beholding, you become changed. Uh, so that would be a good book out there. Uh, the Omega Rebellion. The Omega Rebellion. The Sunday Keepers uh, have an excellent book out as well. And it's, there are several, but one of them is called um, Faith Undone. The, uh, the Baptists are sounding the alarm of what's coming within their ranks. And it's, in fact, the Baptists came out with that book before Omega Rebellion came out. But if you read the chapter in Great Controversy entitled, Can Our Dead Speak to Us? Uh, you're going to really see the issue fleshed out there. Once you, read, once you read Omega Rebellion, read that chapter, it's going to blow your mind. And if you read Faith Undone, it will blow your mind too because you're going to find that God gave us the terminology that the devil is going to be using in the last days. Uh, you know, uh, Ellen White says that they will call it a new reformation. That's exactly what they're calling it. I mean, it's amazing. God gave us the terminology long before they were using it. But, uh, but it's really, really, really good. But no, uh, meditation, Bible meditation is thinking about Scripture. It's not emptying your head. Uh, power of Prayer, Ellen White, compilation. Um, Ellen White, on this one is Caro Shoemake, spelled S-H-E-W-M-A-K-E. She has a number of books. She has another one called The Sanctuary Secrets to Personal Prayer. And we're going to talk about this one uh, at the very end, our last session. And I really appreciate that. In fact, if you struggle, I, I wish my wife was here because she, be, she would not, if, once I make the statement, but I'm like the poster child for ADD. You have no idea. And, uh, and if you're one of those like me that you're praying and suddenly you're working on your uh, grocery list and then you're like, oh, no, 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 where was I? 
And uh, the sanctuary prayer will really be uh, a help to you, as it has been to me. In many ways, also teaches me how to pray. But what to be praying for. The Lord is good. Let's go into our next session. And this is a very important element of prayer, and that is persistence. Uh, we need to persist. So with that, let's begin once more. And I hope you don't mind. Uh, you know that when I kneel before God, I am admitting to Him, I can't do this without Him. And I'm admitting to Him that without His help, I have nothing to give you. So when you walk out of here blessed, don't thank me for anything. But thank Him for what He gave you. Honestly, I am as happy as can be to be invisible. I just want to see His name glorified and you blessed. That's all that matters. That's not a statement of humility because I am one proud individual that God is having to work on. And that's the truth. Let's kneel before the Master. Savior, I, I personally want to thank you so much. I marvel at, at your goodness. Why am I surprised? And, and thank you for what you have done and what you are doing. And Father, we're going to enter into uh, another, the, a very important element in prayer, and, and that is persistence. And Father, I believe that there's, no, there's more you want to say here than what I prepared for. So I pray you'll get a hold of me and that you will present what you want here, please. Lord, uh, I, you know that I'm saying some things and leaving, leaving some things undone here because there's so much to cover. So I pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you will make up uh, the gaps here and bring understanding to those who are, who are listening. Father, I'm presenting, but I don't know what they're hearing. I know that you are there and you're speaking to each one here and I, I'm grateful for that. So we praise your holy name. So Lord, I, I need your help, especially in this presentation. I thank you for it and I ask it all in Christ's holy and precious name. Amen. Evan Roberts. Does that name mean anything to you? Evan Roberts was a young Welsh boy, 13 years old, and he had a dream. Do you have dreams? He had a dream. His dream was to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. His dream was to have an undivided heart for God. That was his dream. And he had a dream also for revival, not only in his own life, before his native country of Wales. And so he prayed. And he prayed. And he prayed. And the years passed. And he prayed. Thirteen years later, half his life, something happened. It began in his youth department. Interesting. The revival began where? In the youth department. Are we listening? And he was praying for the youth and for the young adults in his church. And through those prayers and his work, he led 16 of them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Converted. 16 were converted by the Lord. His prayer, working, gave the, the Lord opportunity to work. Then he got those 16 together and they continued to pray. What resulted was what is known to us today as the Wales Revival of 1904. In just a nine-month period, there were 100,000 conversions. One 13-year-old boy praying, and he didn't give up. He didn't quit. He persisted. He kept praying. This afternoon, for our last session today, we're going to look at this important element of prayer called persistence. And what we're going to look at today is a parable. 
because Jesus gave this parable for the intended purpose of communicating this to his disciples, that persistence is an important element of prayer. Let's open our Bibles today. We're not going to have handouts on this one. But let's take a look at Luke chapter 11. And we're going to take a look at the element of persistence. The element of persistence. Luke chapter 11, if you're there, say amen. If you're not there, say mercy. Okay, give you a little time. Luke chapter 11. And we're going to begin in verse 5, reading through verse 8. And he, Jesus, said to them, Which of you shall have a friend, and go to him at midnight, and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on, a, on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, Though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Now, a little background to the story. You know, a Judean home, the average Judean home, was a one-room dwelling. In the very back of the room, uh, is, uh, you have the door in the front, and then all the valuables and food were kept on the back side of the house. And then when the inmates of the home slept, they, they laid out pallets and they laid down on the floor, kind of like sardines. And, uh, and the father slept near the door for protection. In, uh, in this part of the world, many times travel of the day was really not uh, feasible because of the heat, so people would often travel at night. And so getting this visitor late at night was not an uncommon thing. But he didn't have the food for this visitor. So he went to his neighbor, knocked on the door. Now his neighbor doesn't want to go get the food. Why? Because he has to wake up the whole household. Remember when he showed up? It was at what time? Midnight. So he didn't want to go over all the pallets to get the food to give to this guy to leave. But because he didn't give up and he persisted, he finally gave in. Are you with me? <clears throat> this parable... Jesus wants to illustrate to us the need for persistence. You know, brothers and sisters, forgive me for saying this, but we are weenies. We're weenies. It's the truth. We don't know anything about persistence. We want everything when? Now. That's what we want it, now. It's interesting, if you look out in nature, if you look in nature, you tell me what happens now. Everything is a process. Are you with me? There is a process. And so what the Lord is calling us to is to cooperate with that process. Persevere. Don't give up. So this parable brings to light three critical points of persevering in prayer. Number one, the reality that God is calling us to persevere. Number two, there is a promise in persevering. And number three, there is a need to persevere. Let's unpack this and take a look first at the call to persevere. Turn your Bibles to Luke, chapter 11. Luke, chapter 11. And we're going to take a look at verse 9 and 10. So I say to you, ask and it will be what? Given to you. Seek and you will what? Find. Knock and it will be what? 
open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who asks finds, and to him who knocks it will be open. Listen, the idea here that is being communicated is ask and keep asking. Knock and keep knocking. Seek and keep seeking. It is a call in simplicity to don't quit. When I think of prayer, you know why? I have really been blessed. I have really firsthand experienced um, the power of prayer because of my mother. My brother and I walked away from God. My brother at age 13 got involved in drugs and alcohol. And, um, and he, 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 he was in and out of juvenile hall. And he was out, in and out of jail. He was in and out of drug rehab units. Uh, he coded twice. He overdosed on drugs. Um, and, and, and you think that example would have been enough for me. I, I came from a home where my father was an atheist. My mother was Catholic. And later she accepted the three angels' message. Um, and and I, I, I went down the wrong road. I didn't go to the depth that my brother did. But, but one thing I remember about my mother, she would pray. Listen, if there is a mascot for prayer warriors, it's my mother. My mother would embarrass me. We would go anywhere on vacation, and if my mother found out that you were a Christian, she would start writing the names of her kids on paper and ask you to keep them in prayer. She would go to some community and found out that there was a prayer meeting going on. My mother was lifting up her boys in that meeting in prayer for 20 years. My mother prayed and continues to. In and out of rehab units, in and out of jail. Do you know what that did to that mother? I'm sure some of you do know. I watched what I did in the home of my parents. Shattered my parents. But my mother did not give in to the discouraging things that she was seeing before her because she knew that beyond what she could see was a mighty God. A God that answers and hears prayer. She continued to pray. And this is awful to say, but I remember by this point in my life I was... Her, I, I'm a product of her prayer. I'm here because my... Listen. This had to be a Holy Spirit thing. But when I was 18 years old, and I was, wa- I was ready to walk out the front door to uh, get into trouble with my friends. They were waiting in the car. We were going to go out, and we were going to do it up big. And as I was reaching for the doorknob, I heard my mother call me from across the room. She was in the kitchen, standing in the doorway. I was standing by the front door. And when I turned around, my mother was just pointing at me. She said, George, one day you will be a pastor. <laughs> That's what I did. I, uh, I thought she was crazy. I, didn't, I was respectful. I didn't say anything. Uh, there, that door shut behind me. I laughed all the way to the car. And when I got in that car, I told my friend what my mother had said. We all laughed. And while the laughter was yet echoing in, the, in my head in the air, I looked out at the passing scenery. And for a moment, I thought to myself, is it possible that God would ever want someone like me? And the answer is yes. And the answer is always yes. It's always yes. And that mother of mine did not stop praying. And continued to pray. And I remember my brother, as he relates the story, the second time that he OD'd, uh, they had him in the, in the ambulance. They were racing him off. And he said to me that they were fighting to get his heart moving. He said, he said, somehow I was aware of what was happening around me, and he said, I knew I was dying. 
He said, and I called out to God in my mind, and I said, Lord, will you give me just one more chance? And his heart got going. If you, see, if you saw my brother today, you would never know that for over 20 years he was a prisoner to drug and alcohol. You would never know his past if you saw him today. We serve a mighty God, friends. A mighty God. And for me, when I was at Southern, I remember being in the, uh, in the, in the library. How many of you from Southern? Or been to Southern? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, a few of you. Okay, I was in the back room and uh, if, you, if you notice that the carpet is kind of thin there, that's me. I would just study back there, away from everybody, and just get into my books. You know, I didn't sit down to read because I'd fall asleep, so I'd just back and forth, reading, reading, reading. And one day I passed this kid, this young, well, it's a kid, everybody's a kid to me now, but <laughs> here's a student there. And he says, and, and I, I looked at him, he looked at me, smiled, and I walked past him, and, uh, and something told me to go talk to that kid, that young man. And I didn't want to because I was busy. I had a lot of studying to do. And so I sat back, started reading, and I couldn't concentrate. I couldn't concentrate. And I knew the Lord was leaning on me. Go talk to the kid. And so finally I said, okay, I'll go talk to him. So I went over there, started talking to him, and uh, I was thinking, Lord, why are you having me talk to this young man? So we're talking to him before. So where are you from, Florida? Florida, that's great. Yeah, that's great. You ever spend any time in California? Yeah, really? Southern California? No kidding. Uh, Adventist? You've been in Adventist your life? Yeah. You know about the Guns Fest Church? Yeah, used to go there. Really? I used to go there when I was little. And uh, then I left. I shared with you. I walked away. And I said, uh, you, know, uh, you know my mother? Who's the boat? And they said, yes. I know your mom. Man, she used to come to our house. She was always praying for her boy. You. <laughs> the Lord wanted me to know that. If my mother had given up because things looked bad, I wouldn't be standing here. And even my brother. My brother's not a Seventh-day Adventist yet. He doesn't know it yet. He's on his way. But he accepted the Lord Jesus Christ and he's baptized, serving the Lord. And he's going to be soon. Because you know why I know that? Because my mother's still praying. The call is to persist. We've got to stop being weenies. We've got to stop looking at everything as what we see as being reality. And the unseen has got to be our reality. Do you understand? The unseen. We've got to grab the promises of God and cling. Now it is true, God will never violate anybody's will. But we sure can pray for God to bring someone to the place that they can make an intelligent decision. And dear friend, when we have enough information to make an intelligent decision, I believe that we're going to win people to Christ. I believe we're going to win more than we're losing. I think we're losing more than we should be. We need to be on our knees and not give up. The question of persevering in prayer, the question that is raised is this. Do you really know who you're praying to? Perseverance asks the question, do you know who you're praying to? We have to know who we're praying to. And the one we're praying to in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says to us, pray without... Don't quit. Don't give up. Why? Because there is a promise for those who persist. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. There is a promise. Let's look at this promise to those who persist. What did I say? Matthew 7? Matthew chapter 7. That's where I am. It's really, it's true. It's Matthew chapter 7. What did I, don't, don't listen to what I said before that. Matthew 7. I, I said it right? Alright, let's take a look at verse 9. This is powerful. If we really stop to meditate on this, what is being said here, God is desperate to try to communicate to us His intent. 
Or what man is there among you who if his son asks for bread will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish will give him a serpent? If you then being evil know and understand how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your father who is in heaven good gifts to those who what? Who ask him? He is pleading with us. Come to me and ask me. But keep asking. Don't give up. Don't give up. Are there troubles in your life? If you're breathing, you've got troubles. Are you in need of direction? I see a lot of young people in here. I know the answer to that. Are you asking to reach someone in your family who's not serving the Lord? Are you struggling with your health or with loneliness or with depression? Don't raise your hand. Then Jesus is bidding you right now to come to Him and to keep coming. Don't quit. Don't give up. Persist. Keep praying. When I was living in Hendersonville, this is such a perfect illustration. Some of you know this. When I was living in Hendersonville, we bought this house. And uh, in our parking area was this beautiful uh, white stone. You know, they crush it up and they lay it down. You know, you get to drive on that. It looks so nice. It looks great in the winter. But in the spring, this stuff starts growing through it. Weeds and grass. And so I'm out there spraying it with all these poisons. Who knows what it's done to my health. But, and it would, it would die, but guess what it would do? It'd come back. And then weed whacking it and then the grass. And it was just terrible. So I came up with this idea. I'm going to bury the whole mess in asphalt. And I'm done with this. So we laid down asphalt. You ever seen them lay down asphalt? They lay it down really thick, that thick black stuff. And then they get that heavy thing and they squash it. And they squash it down about like this. And I'm watching all this going. I'm just sitting, I'm just basking in it. The end of the weights and of the grass. I was so happy. It looked great all winter long. Well, then spring came. And, um, and one morning I was going out to my car and I noticed these little welts. And I thought, you didn't notice that before. Probably was there before. Got out of my car, take off, come back, and the welts are bigger. And... Um, I, I started to get a sickening feeling. And it wasn't long before the grass and the weeds were shooting through the asphalt. And I was really upset. I began to think about it. And I looked at the delicate little grass. How on earth did it endure that blackness? That was laying on top of it. That was squashed down on top of it. That little blade of grass did not give up. It just kept pushing until it broke through. You know, my friends, I don't know the blackness in your life, what it is today. But I can tell you that beyond it is a beautiful blue sky. Don't give up. Keep pressing. Keep praying. And by the grace of God and His power in your life, you're going to break through. Don't give up. And in Jeremiah 33, verse 3, we have that reminder. Call to me and I will pray and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Call to me, God says. I will answer you. Do you realize that in the Bible, God has a promise for your problem? Do you realize you and I cannot come up with a problem that isn't already addressed in Scripture? Do you realize there is a promise for everything you and I are facing today? Cling to it. And hang on. 
until God answers. Break through. Don't let go. You know, we talked a little bit about some of the things that will torpedo our prayer life. I sometimes hear people say, you know, God doesn't answer me when I pray. Well, we talked about some things that will torpedo a prayer life. One is sin. God will deal with a larger issue. The other is a lack of faithlessness. You know, we don't believe, we really don't believe that He'll help us. By the way, when that happens in the life, and we do that more than we care to admit, do you think it's okay to, pr- to pray, Lord, I believe, help thou? My do you know that Anna White says you can never be lost praying that? Look it up. We need God to help us, to teach us how to exercise faith. Amen? But, we need to be able to trust Him. The other is the idea if we refuse to forgive others. But there is yet something else. Turn with me to the book of Malachi, chapter 3. Malachi, chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. If you need more time, say uh, mercy. Okay, we're there. Malachi 3, verse 7 and 8. Even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, Wherein shall we we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, Wherein have I robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Dear friends, if we're ripping God off, We need to stop. You know, in tithing, I, you, I don't know if, you, you've, if this has happened to you, or if you're even, maybe, maybe you haven't even thought along these lines. Maybe I can preempt this for you. But let's remember something. That none of it belongs to us. Thank you, sister. <laughs> none of it belongs to us. But 10% of it, he says, bring that back to me. And then the offerings, he leaves it to us, based on our gratitude for all he's done for us. Amen? But when we don't return it to Him, we're stealing from Him. That 10% is not yours and mine to do with whatever we jolly well please with. I'm just shooting straight. I'm, just te- te- I'm not telling it to you as a pastor. I'm telling it to you as a fellow believer. That belongs to God. Sometimes we run into people that will say, I don't like what's happening in my church, so I won't get tithed. God did not give you that option. Are you with me? God wants you to address the issue but not steal from Him. Amen? That's what the Lord calls us to do. So, so that's one thing we need to look at. But you know that right now, I hate to say this, but about 50% of our members on their books tithe. We need a revival. What do you say? Half the, that's, that's, God calls that robbery. Half. We've got to search our hearts to make sure that we're not doing that to the Lord. Amen? The other... Is, is one that comes a little closer and uh, is found in our home relations. John 13.35 says, By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have what? One for another. Oh, one honest person. Thank you. <laughs> if we have what? Love. By the way, love is more than a warm fuzzy. It's a principle. Amen? Love is a decision to return kindness for to another even though they haven't been kind to us. My friends, 
How is your relationship with your siblings? You know what cracks me up? I, can, I, can we talk? This kills me. This kills me. You know, I believe that the Lord has called us to hold off on our relationships until we're done with school. And we can totally get into that in a study. Honestly, truly. Because the Lord wants us to focus and concentrate on what He's preparing us for. Alright? But then I have people come to me and they say, you don't understand, I love him like a brother. And I say to them, so if I call your mom right now and I ask her about your relationship with your brother, you can laugh a little harder if you want. Yeah. If she loved him like her brother, there'd be all kinds of trouble on the campus. But you know, in the investigative judgment, what really determines what really is a Christian is not whether the people at work think you are. It's not whether the people at church think you are. Dear friends, we can fool them. I tell you who we don't fool is the people in our own home. We don't fool them. And if we're not showing respect and courtesy to our parents, you don't understand how bad they are, Pastor. That may be true. But Jesus showed kindness and courtesy to those who were nailing Him to the cross. We need, we need the love of Christ in our life. Listen, Christianity isn't a put-on. It is a transformation. Are you with me? So we need to search our own hearts. What is my relationship like with those in my own home? With my siblings? That's where the rubber meets the road. Amen? So if our prayer life is being torpedoed, if we're seeing that something's going on, we need to take inventory in our life. Am I being honest with God? How, what is my relationship like with those in my home? Not only is there sin in my life and am I trusting the Lord and am I forgiving others, but are you with me? Are you with me? Say amen. This is a real deal. These are some of the things that will real, really torpedo our prayer life. And if we're finding that things aren't being answered, let's go to our knees and let's take inventory. And if everything we have come, we've come to the Lord to, re, to show us and there's nothing going on, then hang on and keep praying. Are you with me? If everything else seems to be lining up okay, until the Lord reveals to you, don't borrow guilt. If the Lord's not revealing anything to you, don't go around with a guilty conscience. Why are you doing that? But if He's not showing anything to you, then just wait on God's timing. Amen? Very important. Okay. So now, the last part. Why do we need to persevere? What are the reasons for persevering? We're going to look at three. One is to enlighten us. There are times when our prayers do not always seem to receive an immediate answer. Amen? But we have to remember that prayer is not so much a matter of persuading God to accept our will concerning a matter as our discovering what His will is on the matter. God knows what is best for us. We are often but dimly conscious of our own needs. Amen? And often we ask for things that may even be harmful for us. But persistent prayer will bring our wills and our lives into harmony with the will of God. Not to work a change in God, but to work a change in me. When I uh, was in my 20s and I arrived in Wilmington, North Carolina, where I met Melissa, I, um, I had high hopes. Uh, we were newlyweds, my wife and I, and Wilmington was growing like gangbusters. Wilmington was one of the, was one of, it kept switching off with, was it Vegas? I think it was Vegas at the time. No, no, it was uh, La Sierra area. Anyway, one of those two, they were neck and neck uh, every month as the fastest growing community in the United States. 
We had Corning coming in, GE coming in. There are hundreds of people hiring, and we move in, ground floor, when all this is going on. And I thought to myself, I'm going to get a job. I had this vision of, of getting into a real good company, great benefits, good pay, great retirement. And I was there. I was so excited. I sent out resumes, you know, like the leaves of autumn scattered. I went everywhere, knocked on doors for six months, and nobody called me. I prayed earnestly, pleaded with God. It was a humiliating experience for me. One night I was standing at the back, uh, behind our apartment there in New Center Drive, there was a pond. And I was standing back there and I had rocks and I was just throwing those rocks in. I, I just had to burn it all. I was so angry at the world. Throwing rocks and throwing rocks and throwing rocks and mumbling to myself, Lord, I don't understand. I, I've done everything I know to do. I've prayed. I've, I've worked. Lord, I haven't just been sitting here. I don't understand. And just throwing those rocks. And, and I remember looking up in, in the night sky and it was a beautiful evening. And the stars were all twinkling. It was, it, I was just looking up. And then all these things I've studied about the universe were coming to my mind, you know. I remember a friend of mine, Jerry, who said, if you take a grain of sand and you hold it against the night sky, that portion of the sky that's covered, there are thousands of galaxies behind that, that, that each containing billions of stars. And as I was thinking of this, I thought, wait a second. God can create the vastness of the universe, hold it all together, and he can't find me a job? I thought, you know, I don't have a job because God doesn't want to give me one. So I sat there and I thought, Lord, is it possible that I am praying for the wrong thing? So that night I went to sleep with that thought in my mind. When I woke up the next day, that thought returned to me. And in my devotional life, I said, Lord, am I praying for the wrong thing? If I am, will you tell me what to pray for? So that day I was vacuuming. I was, vac I was always vacuuming the house. Six months... And I'm one of these, I can't sit still, it's torture for me. So I was constantly. And um, so I was vacuuming the house again. And as I was vacuuming, a thought came to my mind. Clear as crystal. Pray for a temporary job. Well, <clears throat> there's a reason why I didn't pray for a temporary job before. I didn't want one. I had gone to the temp agencies and I had told them, listen, don't bother to call me unless you're going to offer me a position that's temp to perm. And guess what? <laughs> they didn't call me. And I thought about that and I said, Lord, was that you? Okay. So I went to my knees and I said, Father, if what you want me to pray for is a temporary job, then I'm praying. If that's what you want me to have. And uh, a few hours later, the phone rings. And it was the temp agency. And I'm talking on the phone and they said, we got a position for you. Uh, would, you would you take it? And I said, is a temp to perm? No. Okay, what is it? And they said, it's working at a parts company, Cameron Barkley, and, uh, and it's doing parts inventory. And she's rattling off to me all this terminology. I had no idea what this lady was talking about. I already told you about my experience with technology. And I thought, this is like a real bad mix. And I was getting ready to say no when I remembered my prayer just a few hours before. And I thought, oh no. I said, can you hold one moment? And I held the receiver. I said, Lord, I don't know anything about this. This can be like really, really bad. I said, but Lord, if you want me to do this, you get me into this, I'm trusting you to get me out of this. So I said, lady, okay, I'll do it. Hey, you know what? That was a tough assignment. But let me tell you what, what, what happened. Because of the experience of my youth, there was a lot of issues in my life. And it was at this job that God began the healing process in my life. 
There were things there that were taking place that I needed to go through for the healing in my life. Not only that, but God gave me opportunities to witness. And, and it was so awesome that once I got everything straightened out in the company, that in this one area, the assignment they gave to me, um, and, and I was witnessing to some folks, suddenly my assignment ended, and another assignment opened up. So I went there, something totally different. So I began learning that. And God was continuing that healing process. See, God wanted to give me a permanent job. I wasn't ready for it. God had to lead me through another path so that he could answer this other one later. But he was going to call me in the ministry. Mercy. If he had showed me that there, my faith wouldn't have held. But there was a process to it. And so I, I did this. And what became so cool is that I would go to a place and I would start working. I began to see the pattern. Somebody would start asking me questions about the state of the dead or the Sabbath. I'd give them studies. They would accept it. And my assignment would end and I would go somewhere else. And then I would come into a place and I got to the point that I'd walk around. As soon as I came in, I said, okay, Lord, which one is it? I'd sit down. I called myself God's hitman. He just sent me here and sent me there until finally he sent me to First Union Mortgage. And that's where I met Melissa there. What a journey that was and has been and continues to be. We serve a great God. But dear friends, I don't know what you're praying for, but if it isn't best for you, trust God to change your prayer. He's got a better plan. When I look back over my life, I couldn't have planned anything better. And I know that the best is yet to come. It is yet to come. It is yet to come. So one of the first things we've got to realize, God has to enlighten us. The second one is, the one of the reasons why God delays our prayers is to strengthen us. Because see, the persistent prayer demonstrates to all our undividing trust in God. Often God delays to answer us in order to try our faith or to test the genuineness of our desire. The question is, do we really want it? Having asked according to His Word, we should believe His promise and press our petition with a determination that will not be denied like that 13-year-old Welsh boy. God does not, ask, does not say, ask once and you shall receive. He bids us, be persistent. Ask and keep asking. The persistent asking brings us into a more earnest attitude and gives us an increased desire to receive the thing for which we ask. I have my kids are always saying, Daddy, can I have this? And the next week, they're asking for something else. So how badly did they want that? Then the other thing is, I buy them stuff and they don't, have, they don't appreciate it. Uh, parents, amen. So I said, you know what? Welfare's over. Now, they want it. I say, fine. Let's find a job outside. You work for it. And you can have it. So they go outside. Hey, and it's not an easy job. Great. The whole place looked great. They got rid of all kinds of brush, everything else around the house. But they got to working. You know what cracked me up? When they went to go buy it, they looked at it. Eh, not going to get it. Why not? The quality's cheap. <laughs> when we pray for something, if God answered us like this, that's what would happen to us too. He is a wise father. But in the persistence, it develops within us an attitude of desiring it so that when he finally gives it to us, we'll appreciate it. Some of you are praying for a spouse. And the Lord will bring the spouse when you're ready. Don't go searching. Amen. Wait for the Lord in His timing. And when you're ready, He'll bring them. But, as, but keep praying. Do you know that when I pray, and I'll share this a little more, do you know that each day I pray, I pray for my children's spouses, wherever they are. I pray for their parents. I'm praying earnestly, Lord, keep them pure. Keep them pure, Father. And, and give those parents wisdom. Keep them pure. I pray for those kids. I don't know who they are, but one day I'll meet them. 
But I pray for them every single day. You could be praying for your spouse, wherever they are. But then don't go looking for them. Wait for the Lord to bring them to you. Meanwhile, go about the business that the Father has sent you on. Amen? And the Lord will bring the timing. But, but the delay strengthens our desire for the thing. And the last thing is there's a spiritual warfare going on. Turn with me to Daniel chapter 10. Daniel 10. Daniel chapter 10. This is amazing. We're going to look at verse, begin with verse 12. Daniel chapter 10. And I'll give you a background here. The, the angel Gabriel came to Daniel and, uh, and gave him the, the, fi- the prophecies of the final moments of earth's history. The whole history uh, uh, of the earth right up to the second coming of Christ. There was one element in there that he did not quite understand. The 2300 day. This really troubled him. And... Uh, in fact, in fact, so much so that he passed out. I think the evidence is that he seemed to think that Israel was going to be in, in Babylon for another 2,300 years. And, uh, but then later he began to realize that's not it, so what is it? He prayed, and uh, he began to pray earnestly. He realized, hey, Lord, there's something else going on here. Give me a definition to this. Watch this. Daniel uh, 10, 12 through 13. The angel finally shows up. Then he, the angel, said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God... Your words were what? Wow! Immediately. And I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me. How long? Twenty-one days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I have been left alone there with the king of Persia. What, what, what's happening here is the curtain is being pulled back. And when you begin praying, dear friend, your prayer sets in motion something. There is a conflict between the powers of light and darkness. So his prayer was heard immediately, but how long before it was answered? 21 days. There was a, his prayer unleashed a titanic struggle between the forces of darkness and light. And when you pray, your prayer is unleashing a titanic struggle between the forces of light and darkness. We need to keep praying. We need to keep praying. And you know, somehow, in, the, in prayer, there's something that I call rules of engagement. Have you ever heard that in military terms? Any of you heard that, rules of engagement? You know that uh, World War I, they threw everything they can get their hands on each other. Gas, everything at each other. It's horrible. Then after the war, they, the nations got together and they made rules. Hey, no more gas. Let's leave the gas out. Okay, bombs, machine guns, okay, no gas. They left that out. World War II comes. Did anybody hear of gas? No. That was because rules of engagement. They all decided, by the way, everybody had them. And pity the nation that used it first. Because everybody was going to throw everything at them. And they knew that. So nobody used that stuff during World War II. That's called rules of engagement. Same thing during, during uh, the Vietnam War. They used napalm. After that, they got together and said, hey, no more napalm. So you don't see that being used anymore in wars. These are rules of engagement. And in the forces of light and darkness, there are rules of engagement. Satan cannot force himself into your life. God will not force himself into your life. These are rules of engagement. But they can be invited. And dear friends, the music you listen to, is if you're not careful, you may be inviting the wrong presence. You're inviting somebody. There's no such thing as neutrality. Period. And so, in, our, and so in prayer, what we're doing is we're giving God permission to work and get involved. So I'm praying for my sister here. Lord, she's in trouble. You? And Satan says, hey, you can't get involved. She didn't ask for your help. Yeah, but George is praying. Buzz off. Are you with me? We give God permission to get more involved. Are you with me? There are rules of engagement here. So when we're praying, if the thing doesn't answer right away, please understand we're unleashing a titanic struggle. Don't give up. Keep pressing. 
Don't quit and pray. God did not answer Daniel right away, but he did answer him. You know, I want to end with something that I hope will be of encouragement to you. Uh, when I did not know the Lord uh, in the, my academy days, uh, I did not have a godly influence in my life. I did not have a, I shouldn't say that. I did not have a godly male in my life. And uh, as a young man, I needed that influence. And maybe some of, you, and some of you may identify with that. I didn't have it. So I didn't really know who to go to for counsel and stuff. And, and I actually ended up turning to poetry and philosophy and all that nonsense. But one day, the Lord did something merciful for me. He brought me a poem through a dear friend. And I, I hung it in my locker. And I have it here. I'm going to share it with you. I, only, I didn't realize until later that my Heavenly Father brought it. Because I didn't understand about perseverance through life. And I struggled many times. I had struggles on my own. I had no one really to share it with. And I didn't know God. But this poem really carried me through. And it wasn't until years later that I really understood it was my father. And I want to share it with you because the message is beautiful. And, and, and take it also as a message from our Heavenly Father. And it's entitled, Don't Quit. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when funds are low and debts are high, when you want to smile but have to sigh, when care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Life is queer with its twists and turns, as every one of us sometimes learns, and many a fellow turned about when he might have won had he stuck it out. Don't give up, though the pace seems slow. You may succeed with another blow. Often the goal is nearer than it seems to a faint and faltering man. Often the struggler has given up when he might have captured the victor's cup and he learned too late when the night came down how close he was to the golden crown. Success is failure turned inside out. The silver tint of the clouds of doubt. You can never tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems afar. So stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things seem worse that you mustn't quit. But I would end it after coming to know Jesus with this text. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My friends, Jesus is coming soon. And when He comes, He will be coming for a people that knew what it meant to persevere in prayer. That could trust Him. Not relying and basing reality on appearances, but upon the Word of God until He came through. Let's, I just want to close the section real quick and then we'll open up the questions and then we'll have a time of prayer. Father, in fact, I'm going to kneel. I just, I just want to thank you again for the reminder that in persisting in prayer, you, it really is challenging us with the question, do we really understand who we're praying to? We thank you, Lord, for the science of prayer that it's, if things aren't... Are, 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 don't seem to be going the way we think they should. We can, we can take inventory and make sure that there's nothing between our soul and our Savior. But having done all that, Lord, and we see that everything's okay between us, you don't reveal anything there, then, Lord, we can continue to press our petition to the throne of grace. We can storm the gates of heaven with our prayer. And we can trust you with the timing and the manner of the response. So, Lord, we thank you. May these things stay with us. And now, Father, I just pray that during this question and answer time and prayer time, that uh, you'll speak to us. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
All right. So we have a few minutes here for our question. Let me get uh, my timing here. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. And if you have uh, questions, we do have a mic right here. And that way the questions will be taken up uh, by the mic in the recording. <clears throat> Please, my brother. Uh, you made a, a comment right there at the end about um, poetry and philosophy and all that nonsense. Do you believe that uh, those kind of things have no place in the life of a Christian? Oh, no. Let me rephrase that. Thank you, my brother. As far as philosophy is concerned, it, th th I'm talking about godless. Are you with me? I mean, I tried to find answers in life through, through philosophy. Because some of these guys are trying to wrestle with some of these issues, but they didn't have God. But when I found the Word, I didn't need that anymore. The Word had the answers for me. The, when I got a hold of the Bible, it completely changed my life. I was searching for answers everywhere but there, but once I locked into that, why did I need anything else? It makes me think of an illustration that Doug Batchelor gave. You know, Doug Batchelor used to be homeless. How many of you knew that? And where did he get his food? He got it out of trash cans. You know you can eat out of trash cans? How many of you didn't know that? You can eat out of trash cans. But dear friend, when the restaurant is sitting right there, why go to the trash can? And, and though there's stuff that's good there, but why not get the whole meal? And so in my mind, compared to the Word of God, everything else was that to me. And I, I just delved into the Word because I was being fed. Now, as far as poetry, there's poetry in Scripture. And so, no, I think poetry is beautiful. And many of our hymns is poetry put to music. But I'm referring, thank you for that, because I needed that, th that clarification. But, but stuff that was just godless, I don't waste my time with it anymore. That's my conviction where I'm at with that. Any other, uh, any questions on that? Hello, come, you come right up here, Miss Michelle. Okay, sometimes um, I find myself getting in a rut when I pray, and it's not like I'm praying stuff I don't want to pray, but it's like I get in a rut and always say the same thing. And what would you say to that? Without getting too much detail there, um, I, I tell you what really changes our prayer life. Are you ready for this? It's witnessing. I think that's the biggest thing to get out of the rut, honestly, is... Uh, is witnessing. It's sharing Christ with others and beginning with, Lord, and it's the prayer that many of us uh, are reluctant to pray, use me today. Use me, Father. Is there somebody out there that needs to be encouraged today? Is there someone out there that needs a hug? Is there somebody out there that needs a smile? Is there somebody out there that needs a word of encouragement? Lord, use me today. And when you pray that prayer in earnest, hang on. You know, I, I think about that question that we read about in Isaiah uh, I believe it's chapter 6, who will go for us? It's still echoing around the world today. And God is looking for those who are willing to stand up and say, here I am, Lord. Use me. In the last session, you talked about faith and presumption, the oh. difference between the two. Um, and you said it's the difference between whether it's our idea or God's idea. How can we sort out whether it's my idea or God's. You know, maybe I'm thinking of a life companion. How do I know if it's my desire or God's Excellent. desires or yeah. a job or whatever? Okay, very good question. 
God, remember that there's a, there's a science to prayer. God wants us to be intelligent about what we're praying for. There isn't a subject on the planet that God has not in some way addressed. So, let's go with that example on who I should be uh, marrying. Does God have something to say about that? Right away, oh, I might get some people excited here. I have a study on this. The Lord says that we are not to be unequally yoked. So right away, that narrows the field. Are you with me? That narrows the field. But wait a second. We think that unequally yoked just means somebody from another denomination. That could be an Adventist too. Because, uh, because they have to believe present truth. Are you with me? You have to believe present truth. That's part of being a believer in the last day. Just because they're enrolled in the Seventh-day Adventist church doesn't make them an Adventist any more than me standing in the, car makes, in the garage makes me a car. Are, are you with me? So, so that's one of them. The other thing is character. Is character. Not only theirs, but mine. It's not only looking for the perfect spouse, it's being one. Amen? And so I got to read, and, and I praise the Lord. The Lord has given us so much counsel in messages to young people and also in uh, Adventist Home regarding this. Of course, there are other books out there that my young people like to read, like His Dating Goodbye or whatnot, prayerfully considering. But the Bible has a lot to say. So what we're doing is we're trying to find out what God has to say about the issue. And so it's, it's whittling down the field really quickly. Not only who, but when. God has something to say about when. And if it's not now, if, if I, after looking at what the counsel is to me, and if, it, if I'm not in the time of life, then I shouldn't be looking for it. Boy, you should read just on that one. You know that the Prince of Darkness focuses his efforts more on matching up people with the wrong person than focusing on anything else? That's a quote. Because he knows he can bring more misery in the world through this one thing than by exercising his, his power in any other direction. So the devil's a matchmaker. So the question is, do you know who's matching you? I tell young people, that's why I believe very much in courting and not dating, because when you date, you can put on airs. Anybody can put their best foot forward on dating. Then on wedding day, you open the package to see what you really got. <laughs> and so as we study this, the Lord narrows the field. So once you jump through all the hoops and the timing is right and all this, and, and, and so the timing is right and then this person has an interest in you and you and them, that doesn't automatically mean that that's the right person. So then... What I encourage the counsel that we have is to spend time with that person, not alone, but to spend time with that person to see if the Lord's... And you're looking for providential leading. So, make sure that your courtship is long and your engagement is short. And don't reverse those because you'll get into trouble. But does that make sense? So the Lord gives us ideas. And then, what I love the best is this. In Isaiah 30, 21, whether you turn to the left hand or to the right, you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way walking in it. Look, we don't know our going out or our going in. But if we earnestly are seeking to know what God wants us to do in the issue, and we pray, then if we make a mistake, God has promised to redirect us. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go, and I will guide you with my own eye. These are promises that we can claim, but if we're earnest. Now, but what about in board meetings? We, make this, we spend more time making decisions than we do in prayer. We need, if you look at how this church was developed, it was more time in prayer than it was in making decisions. And we need to get back to that. What we're really saying is that we have a lot of confidence in ourselves. And then we end up with a mess. So presumption is when... Let me give you an example of presumption. 
Ooh, let me think. Can I do this? Let's say you're working on a budget for your church and you come up with a program that's going to cost your church $60,000 that year. Above and beyond your already operating cost. And you have this great plan. And God, but, you have, there's, but there's no counsel. You haven't seen providentially nothing. You just do this. And I have seen this happen. And at the end of the year, there's $60,000 in debt. And you know what the problem was? You didn't have enough faith. What? Listen, when God tells you to go forward and what you need is $60,000, that's a different issue. Like in the case of the, of the mission trip, I felt impressed to back off and every fiber of my being was saying, no, I wanted to call it off. Because that was going to be humiliating. But as I prayed about it, I felt no peace. I couldn't do it. So I said, you know, this is easy enough. The money doesn't come in, the whole thing's going to flop. So we'll just move forward. And the moment we began to move, I began to see that the doors were opening. Does that make sense? And you know the thing is, this is an education. We're going to make mistakes as we're going in the Lord. But let's make sure we do them in ignorance. Let's make sure that we're trying to learn all that we can. Does that make, did that help? That helped. Praise the Lord. But educate yourself on the subject and spend time in prayer. And then after you've done all you know to do, start moving. And the, door, the Lord's either going to shut doors or open them. Okay, don't struggle from analysis paralysis, and that is do nothing. But start moving in a direction. Well, this might be a similar question, but a lot of people talk about surrendering and waiting, and you mentioned that in the last session. But surrendering and waiting, that doesn't necessarily mean not making a decision or moving forward. So how would you move forward? Give me, a, give, me a, give me an illustration so I know how to fit that in. Give me an example. So for example, in this case, what would be waiting and surrender? Because there are some times that we're to wait, surrender, sometimes we move forward. There, you know what I'm saying? There are times that be still and know that I am God. Yes. And, you know what I'm saying? So there is a time. So I, give me an illustration so I can fit that in. Anybody else? Throw one out. Okay, how about this dating thing? Well, no. Okay, that's good. That's very good. Thank you. I'll give you another one. When I, um, when I was working in Hendersonville, uh, I began to see, making a long story short, God so blessed us there, and I began to see that the door of closing was coming. Our time of departure was coming. There was closure to projects and things that suddenly began to fall into place. And as I sat back and looked at that, I'd seen enough of it that I knew that God was getting us ready to leave. But to where? Listen, my young friends, by the grace of God, I have never sent a resume to anyone unless they ask. In my ministry, I've never done that. I let the Lord lead. I have been in situations where my health was affected and every fiber of my being was saying, get me out of here, but I would not leave until my commander gave me the order to do so. Does that make sense? And so, I began to see this happening, but to where? 
And I began to pray. I said, Lord, where are you getting? And some calls began to come in. And I began to pray. I said, Lord, is this where you want me? And I would go out. I would take the step to move forward. And I would listen. I would watch. But I saw no doors opening. I saw nothing. I had no peace. I said, I can, Lord, I cannot move forward unless you give me peace. It's not that I don't want to obey you. I will obey you. But I am going to obey the last command you gave me, which was to go to Hendersonville. And until I get another clear command, I'm not moving. Are you with me? If you don't know what to do, obey the last command. The last clear command that God gave you, obey it until he gives you another clear one. Are you with me? So anyway, I was staying there and, uh, and then I, a need began to arise and I needed a school for my son. And I had been very much uh, been following this school called Wachita Hills. And I was listening to the things coming out of that school. And uh, at first I just couldn't believe it. Um, and so uh, then one of my friends began to teach there. His name is John Rosengren. And I began to say, is this true? Is this true? And it was true. The things that God was doing to the school, I was so impressed. And I said to myself, if I ever send my son to school, that's where I want to send him. Well, here this thing is starting to happen. I see my son is needing to go to school. And the wait is me to send out resumes. I did not. I surrendered to God's leading. So then... Uh, all of a sudden, uh, my wife said to my wife, go to Wachita and let's see if, my, if God is leading us to go there. Or, or is leading the boy to go there. And uh, so she was going to go with her friend. They're all going to go. In the last minute, her friend bailed out. And, uh, and all of a sudden, my schedule opened. I thought, is this a pattern? I said, honey, I'm going to go with you on this trip. I didn't plan to do that. I'll go with you. Then one day she comes to me and says, George... I was looking on the website and they have an opening for a Bible teacher there. Okay? So I went to my computer, I, I filled out my resume, and then I, I downloaded an application off the internet. And I said, Lord, they're going to have an academy days. I am not going to tell them about this. But if you want me to work there, you have them approach me. I am waiting upon him. Now let me tell you, I wanted to go there because I wanted to be with my son. Are you with me? Listen, dear friends, if we're not trying to save the people in our own homes, we're fooling ourselves and really thinking we want to save anybody else. And I want to make sure that my son's in heaven just as much as any of the other young people that I work with. And so, we went out there and lo and behold, the last moment, they changed where we were supposed to be spending the night and they put me in the principal's house. You seeing a pattern here emerge? And so I went out there and uh, I'm thinking, okay. And we went through the whole weekend and on the last day, uh, she didn't ask me anything. And so we're getting ready to leave. We're rolling the van and all of a sudden the principal comes to me, George, I'd like to talk to you. So I went in the van, I took my little folder, went into her office and she says, would you consider working here at Wachita Hills? And I opened my folder, I handed her my resume and I handed her my application already filled out and her eyebrows went... Do you think the temptation for me was to send my resume? But I decided to wait on God. You know why? Because there have been times in my life I have gone ahead of Him because it looked obvious and I have blown it royal. It has been a terrible, painful experience. And I decided... Well, everything else was falling into place. There was a need for my son. So to me, it was looking. But I wasn't going to move forward. I wanted to wait. But, oh, you mean in these other experiences? Oh, I needed... Because in my... You see, the thing is that there's so much of self in us that what seems obvious to us is loco. I need change to buy some gum. I think I'm going to buy a dress. 
That makes sense to me. How about you? You know, we justify anything. Amen? Amen. We can justify anything we want to justify. We deceive ourselves. We are deceitful above anything. So I surrender that to the Lord. Say, look, I don't trust me. What do you think about this? Do you want me to do this, yes or no? And little by little, he leads us. Now, I don't want to make it sound that I pray every night in the morning the Lord tells me something. There are many times in silence, but we do a lot of our growing in the silence. But when I say that, I'm not talking spiritualism. I'm talking about the fact that we don't hear a response right away. I've got to be careful about that. You've got to be careful what you say anymore. But anyway, does that help? God is good. You have another question for me. Okay, I'm looking at our time here. Let's make this one our last one real quick, and then we'll close out with prayer. There's a phrase, heaven, help those, heaven helps those who help themselves. How does that fit in with the whole idea of prayer and faith? Because some of the examples you've been giving, not sending in resumes or you know, waiting for God to bring his spouse to you, some people would call that great faith, other people would call that great laziness. So how does that work? I, I, I watch people that really try to control their life. They try to chart out their own course. I watch it. And I've watched the results of it. And, and I, was, I was like that. I finally came to the place. I used to, I did the dating scene, the old, the, 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 you know. By the way, in the beginning of the 20th century, uh, you mentioned them dating, they'd look at you like you were a nut. By the end of the 20th century, you mentioned them courting, and they look at you like you're a nut. Things totally changed. And I bought into the old method. And I have all the lumps to prove it. All the scars of dating. I have, I have lived every rotten part of that. And... And I finally came to the place, I didn't know about the, that we had these books. I went through our schools. Nobody ever told me. And I finally came to the place that I realized I really didn't know what I was doing. So I said, God, I want you to pick the next one. And I just waited until he did. And you know what? Every year, that choice looks more and more brilliant. And when it comes to work, I love my wife more. By the way, I want you to know this. Every day, I want you to know this. I love my wife now more than when we married. I want you to know that. My marriage is better now than ever was. And it's going to get better. Not because of me, but because of the work in the Lord in my life. Marriage is a refining process. Every dark side of your body, and your mind, and your character will be brought out of marriage, brothers and sisters. And uh, you go to the Holy Spirit, to the Lord in the most holy place for correction. Okay, your problem's not your spouse, it's you. But, um, but I, I'm like Solomon. I don't know my going out or know my going in, so I surrender that to Him. Lord, you put me where you want me. I'm, I put in my requests. Sometimes he has said yes. Most of the times he had said no and given me something better. But uh, I don't know how else to answer you than that. If the, now, there have been times if somebody asks me for my resume, I'll send it. But I don't just willy-nilly, shot in the dark. You know why I do that? God, I believe, has a specific plan for your life. And he knows how to best to work it out. And I just as soon let him do it. Do everything you're, that he gives you within your field to do. And, and trust Him to carry it through. I, I don't know. It, w- we could do a workshop on how to know God's leading in our life. We can do that. But I don't know if we're going to do it here in, in two minutes. But what I'd like to at this point is let's pray. I'd like to, I'd like to as we pray, I, I'm sure the Lord has impressed upon your heart and mind some burden on your heart. But one of the things we need to pray for is the Lord to give us the gift of persisting in prayer. To persist in prayer. And then after five minutes, I'll close in prayer. If you want to pray alone, you can. If you want to pray with someone, you can. This message was recorded by Fountain View Productions for GYC. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire and equip young people to be vibrant, Bible-based, and Christ-centered Christians. 
To download or purchase other resources, visit us online at gycweb.org.